If you've got your Bibles, we're going to now look at why Satan has went on attack. Turn to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. We've been in a sermon series, I guess, looking at different actions and attitudes that are evidence, proof of true discipleship. Showing what true discipleship looks like and what it actually is. And uh, Jesus said, you'll know my people by their fruit. Uh, Spiritual fruit is the essential evidence of an authentic faith. Uh, You can know the root of my life by looking at the fruit of my life. Well, we know that no one becomes a disciple through right behavior. It's through right belief. And we place our faith, our hope, our trust in the finished work of Jesus on His cross. His resurrection from the dead. That's the gospel. Jesus' life, His death, His resurrection. We believe He died in our place for sin and arose victoriously over death, hell, and the devil. And through His death, we died to sin. And in His life, we now live for God. But the New Testament tells us that if we believe the gospel, it changes us. It must change us. The evidence we have uh, that we've truly believed is a changed life. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at that evidence. So far, we've seen that genuine, true disciples uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ abide in Him. They stay in Him. They're not in and out, up and down, hot and cold, but they abide in Christ. They obey Him. True disciples serve Him. True disciples Forgive others and true disciples love like Jesus' love. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Well, today we're going to look at another fruit or attribute of a true follower of Jesus. True disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ pray. You say, well, everybody prays, but there's a catch. True disciples of Jesus don't pray any way they choose. They don't pray their own way. They have learned to pray God's way, taught by God's Son, revealed in God's Word. If you're praying but God isn't listening, it could be that you're not praying in the right way. It could be that the reason God's not hearing because there's something in your heart that's stopping the prayers from your lips going to the ears of God. It's possible to pray all day but pray all wrong. Well, in this passage of Scripture we're going to read in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us how to pray. You see, prayer is more than just asking things from God. It is an exercise in the worship of God to extol His name and to offer thanks for all His benefits. The child of God is assured that in prayer He is approaching a throne of grace, not a throne of judgment. The Christian enters the divine presence By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he prays under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. He offers petitions within the will of his heavenly Father. Prayer should be made in faith, with thanksgiving. The prayer that Christ taught his disciples, known as the Lord's Prayer, is a a model guide, uh, or to guide his followers concerning proper principles and goals of prayer. Several years ago, Gallup did a poll in the United States 
And in that poll, more than 80% of the people responded that they prayed. But less than 10% responded that God answered their prayers. Well, church, I want to be a place and I want to be a people and I want to be a man that can stand in confidence and say that when we pray, God answers and here's what we say and it moves heaven and moves earth. I believe the main problem isn't the amount of prayer, but the approach of prayer. God gladly answers those who approach Him correctly, but it's a gift that comes with guidelines. If you refuse to pray God's way, well, you're certainly not going to receive God's answer. If we want our prayers heard by God, well, we've got to follow His guidelines, and we get those in Matthew chapter number 6 beginning at verse number 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need, uh, have need of before you ask them. After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will come, be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you want your prayers answered? Today I want to show three aspects of a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Of that disciple's prayer, that gets results. You see, true disciples pray. Number one, I want you to see the priority of a disciple's prayer. It's found right there in verse number five. The Bible says this, and when thou prayest, these are the words of the Lord Jesus, and when thou pray, not if we pray, not hey, if you get time to pray, but when you pray, there is an expectation that as kingdom people, uh, we are going to pray and that prayer is going to be a regular part of our daily lives. The idea of a Christian not praying is as absurd as an athletic team that never practices, an orchestra that never breaks out its instruments, a farmer that never actually gets into the dirt and plants any seeds. Well, prayer should simply be a part of our everyday lives. You know we're going to Kenya here in just a few months, six of us from Zion Baptist Church, hopefully plant seeds of the gospel and win men, women, boys and girls to the Lord Jesus Christ. But one of the things about Africa, if you go over there and out in the bush, there's villages and there's usually in a small area, a lot of people live in those little small uh, uh, houses or huts or uh, sheds or whatever, you know, they are several people. Well, there's not a lot of privacy in those things. and uh, So one of the Uh, uh, practices they have is they go out into the bush away from their home to get away so that they could have some privacy to pray. 
and they wear a path as they go out there. And one of the, it's like a, a, a saying that they have in, over there in Africa. So uh, one believer in a church uh, would ask another believer, he'd go visit him and he'd say something like this, Brother, I noticed there's grass growing on your prayer track. Is there a problem? Let me ask you, Zion Baptist Church, is there grass growing on your prayer track? I, I mean, come on now, let's be honest. When was the last time? Don't raise your hand. You took a significant amount of time. I, I don't know what significant is. It's more than 10 seconds to say, Lord, help me pay the rent next month. A significant amount of time out of your day, out of your schedule, out of your busy life and got off by yourself, just you and God and called on the name of the Lord. Mm. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. <laughs> hey, the priority of prayer in a disciple's life. Do you even have a prayer track? You see, Jesus said when the disciples had come to him. And listen, man, if I'd have been one of them disciples, I'd have been like, Jesus, teach me how to calm a storm. Jesus, I could make a lot of money like old Benny Hinn. Teach me how to heal the sick. But you turn over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 11, verse number 1. The disciples come to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because I'm going to tell you what. We can gather together and sit on these pews. And the devil might take a second look. But when we come together and then as we go our separate ways, and we wear a prayer track to our prayer closet and go to the Lord, Satan himself trembles at the power of the people of God. You see, the principle of prayer is, is that we will pray. Well, number two, not only do we see the priority, we see that principle. Verses 5 through 8. The true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ first examines their motives. What did Jesus, and when, so we've seen the priority, that thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now, Jesus isn't condemning prayer in the presence of others. We know that he prayed when he fed the thousands, we know that he prayed publicly before he raised the dead. A hypocrite, uh, what he's saying here is someone who prays not so that God that can hear them, but so that they can be heard of those people around them to get the praises of people. Well, the problem is the hypocrite played in public, but he only prays in public. Well, that's the only way he can get what he really wants. That's what Jesus said here. Hey, he's going to have his reward. He's going to get the praises of men. But listen, he ain't being heard of God. And one of those principles of the disciples' prayer is before they go to the, to the Lord in prayer, they examine their motives. Powerful praying doesn't start with the right combination of our words. It starts with the right motivation of our heart. Well... 
James 4.3, you ask, you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. Another translation, probably better, reads like this. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Selfishness, pride, evil, jealousy, materialism, idolatry, all of those things are motives that drive many prayers. But James says when our motives are wrong, when they're ungodly, our prayers go unanswered. So first we must examine our Motives. When you pray, ask this. Does what I'm praying align with God's word? Am I focused on God's kingdom or my kingdom? Well, that's a principle of a disciple's prayer. They examine their motive. But not only that, they engage their mind. Look what it says right here in verse number 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Pagan worship in that day consisted of repeating chants over and over and over. That's why I don't like those uh, Catholic prayers where you memorize stuff. I don't even like repeating the Lord's Prayer because it's not the Lord's Prayer. It was the disciples' prayer or the model's prayer. You want to hear the Lord pray, you turn over to John chapter 17 and there you hear Jesus pray. How do we know here that that wasn't Jesus' prayer? Because he said, forgive me of sin and Jesus never sinned. So he was given a principles or a model for the disciples to pray. Well, we could say it also like this. Prayer is a relational, not transactional. We've got to engage our mind, our heart, uh, not repeating words over and over and over. It's almost like this. This uh, uh, couple of weeks ago, and I know I've got to hurry, but a couple of weeks ago uh, was Pastor Appreciation Day, and I got a bunch of cards, and thank you for sending those cards. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm just going to be honest. I skip right over what that card says. I go for the good stuff. What you've handwritten in that thing really matters to me. Amen. You've gotten cards too. Well, that's what, the, that's what our prayer life ought to be like. I mean, we can go some rote memory thing that somebody else has taught us and words we're supposed to say, but what God really wants is the handwritten note that comes from the heart. So we've got to not only uh, uh, examine our motives, but we've got to engage our mind when we pray. Uh, not only that, we've got to employ our ears. Look what it says in verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask of him, or ask him. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you don't know. Engage your ear, employ your ears. So your mind, uh, you've got to look at the motives of your heart and you've got to uh, employ your ears. Now what do I mean by that? Listen, God's made us a bunch of promises in His Word. And he knows what I have need of even before I do. Matter of fact, He knows better than I do what I really need. And if I've opened up His Word... And listen to what God says to me. Then I know that when I go to Him, He's already not only heard, He already not only knows, but He's already been at work a long time ago bringing that thing to pass. Listen, I've got to examine my motives and make sure my heart's right. Listen, I've got to look around and, and, and say, hey, I've I, I got to use my mind when I pray, but I've also got to hear from God. Prayer is not just me talking to God. Prayer is also God talking to me. It's a two-way conversation. Well, how do I know what to say to my wife? 
if I don't ever take the time to get to know her. And oftentimes there's a lot of us trying to say things to God and we ain't never took the time to get to know Him and listen to what He says in His holy word. So, number one, the principles. Number two, the pattern of a disciple's prayer. It's right here in verses 9 through 13. I'm going to hurry up. Uh, the pattern Jesus tells us, uh, vain repetition, uh, repeating it over and over. Listen, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, it's the Lord's prayer. Uh, it's not really that. It's the disciples' prayer. But there's several parts of this prayer, and we've got to get them and listen to them this morning. I'm going to go through them fast. Number one, intentional adoration. Look what Jesus says. He said, don't be like them. Your Father knows what you have. But after this manner, hey, this is a model. This is a guide. This ain't something you ought to stand back and repeat and have a whole group of people repeat. You pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Intentional adoration. We've got to understand that he's God and we're not. He's holy and we're not. He's good and we're not. And we must adore him and worship him for his goodness, his grace, his mercy, for who he is. There must be that intentional adoration focusing on God. Number two, there must be total submission. I'm going to tell you what, this right here is where the brakes get put on for a lot of people. He says, after this manner, therefore pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. See, not only must there be an adoration for God, there must be a submission to God. Now, I know what many of you are saying. It's something like this. Well, preacher, the Bible says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. Yeah, but in 1 John it says, and this is the confidence we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. He goes on to say, and we know if He heareth us, we have the petition we desire of him. That's a big if. We've got to know His will and understand His will. Well, how do we do that? How do we know God's will? By the Scripture. We've got the Scripture. We hold the mind and the heart of God in our hand and I can know the will of God through the Word of God. Well, when I know the Word of God, I can pray in the will of God and I'll get the answer of God for my prayers. Second, it's revealed by the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 6.18, Paul said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. I know that I can pray God's will because the Holy Spirit of God guides me. So there must be that total submission to the will of God. Now I'm going to just ask a question this morning. I, I probably don't even try to get finished, but something like this. Could we really just once be honest and admit that most of the time when we pray, we're really praying, God, my will be done, not your will be done. I, I mean, that's probably, and I'm guilty of that too. God, do it my way instead of totally submitting to His will for our life. You see, God's will is not always the easy way, but it's always the best way. 
And, and when we really want to see and hear God uh, uh, answer prayer, we've got to understand that prayer is meant to get my will aligned with God's will. And then I submit to whatever that is. Well, he goes on and he talks about personal provision. You know, he says, and Lee, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, we trust God that day by day he's going to meet our needs and he's going to take care of the people of God. And then humble confession, verse number 12, uh, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh, we've got to confess our sin before God. We're to pray for forgiveness because powerful prayer only comes from a clean heart. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear my prayer. So there must be that time of confession before God. Well, when we do that, listen, it's not just about a vertical relationship, it's a horizontal relationship. Ain't nobody getting any, I don't know if that's a double negative or not, forgiveness from God if they ain't yet forgiven those around them. Amen, amen, and amen. I, I, I just want to get that across. Listen, Jesus said that we're to forgive, our, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So we're only forgiven as we forgive. And if we have unforgiveness for others in our life, then... <clears throat> Good gracious, if we have unforgiveness for others in our life, then we have not yet been forgiven. Amen. Amen. And amen. I can't go around holding unforgiveness in my heart and expect to be getting forgiveness from God. Well, then there must be that humble confession. There must be where a time where we ask for spiritual direction. Verse number 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We must understand that each of us, something that I was made well aware of this morning, that if we're trying to live a life for God, we're under attack of Satan. And we need God's direction and God's wisdom and God's protection uh, around us. He wants to steal our power. And prayer is our attack upon Him. So He wants to keep us from praying. And then he closes with powerful praise. Verse number 13. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This prayer both begins and ends with praise and worship and acknowledging who God is. It's no secret what God can do if we'll go to Him in prayer. He's never lost a battle. He's never been defeated. He's the Lord uh, of lords and the King of kings as we sung about this morning. And listen, He's got His arms wide open. He'll pardon us. He'll provide for us. He'll give us His power to win victory in this world. And Satan wants to stop us and we've got to make that decision this morning that no matter what, no matter what, there ain't going to be no grass growing on my prayer track and that when I pray I'm going to do it God's way I never heard Jesus in there saying Lord give me a nice new home help me be able to drive a fine new car or have a bank full of money he said thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
Oh, he asked for bread. But that's all he asked for. And then he went right back to praising God. I know it's been a little long this morning. But I just want to ask you as you stand this morning, ask yourself, if, if, the fear factor of Satan himself depended on your prayer life, would he go screaming for his life out the door or would he sit down confident that he has nothing to fear? Is there grass growing on your prayer track? Have you let concerns and cares and busyness and even sometimes just plain old selfishness creep in and your prayers have gotten more and more and more about you and your wants? Well, then this altar's open. And Jesus has given us a model of how to pray, when to pray, why to pray, who to pray to. So my challenge to you this morning is come get it right. Don't stay where you are. Come to this altar and say, God, I'm going to do exactly what your word says. I'm going to not only start to pray, but I'm going to start to pray in the right way. And then I'm going to expect you to do great things. But listen, only the prayers of the child of God can ever get heard. If you're here this morning, you've never been born again. The Bible says you're a child of the devil and uh, the devil may hear you, but God does not hear the prayers of those who are not His child. The only prayer God will hear this morning from someone who's never been born again is a prayer that says, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross. So if you're here and you've never been born again, trust in the death, trust in the resurrection, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and He'll save you this morning and this and it opens up your prayer track. You can go anytime you want. Whatever the Holy Spirit says this morning, don't you be disobedient. You come, you pray, you ask God to help you and if we'll do that according to His Word with an open and a clear heart, He'll do exactly what we ask Him to do. Because I'm going to tell you what, whenever you experience the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, it does something to you that you never get over. It did to me. John said if we'll confess it, then he's faithful and just to forgive us. And I'm going to tell you, Zion Baptist Church, God's at work. God's at work. Amen. You're seeing things that's strange in this country we're living in now. We need to keep it up. And our weapon is prayer.